On this week's episode of Mixing Some Magic, we're deep diving into Tom Sawyer Island Pirate's Lair. We'll explore the history, hidden gems, and little-known facts about this underrated attraction. Hi, I'm Melissa with Mixing Some Magic. I'm a Disney planning expert, and I'm here to mix a little magic into your day. Each week, I share Disney vacation planning tips, park strategies, and a little bit of Disney history sprinkled in. Of course, I like to include lots of Disney magic. Join me. Let's mix in some magic. Welcome! I'm so happy that you're here. When this episode drops, I will be at Disneyland, so come follow along with me on Instagram. I'll be there for a few days at the beginning of the week with some friends from Arizona, and then on Wednesday, I will be joined by my cousin Mandy. Now, Mandy and I go to Disneyland together frequently, and we decided it would be really fun to do a challenge of sorts. You see, we have this little argument about some Disneyland strategy And we've never actually tested it out. We just disagree about it. So we decided to test it out so we could know who was right once and for all. So here's what we don't agree about. I think that the shortest wait times of the day are during rope drop. So like the first one to two hours of the day. And Mandy thinks that the last two hours of the day before the park closes are just as good, if not better, than rope drop as far as wait times go. So she thinks that wait times are lower the last two hours of the day, and I am pretty sure that they are lowest the first two hours of the day. So we decided, instead of just wondering about it, that we needed to test it out once and for all. So we've devised a little plan to test it out so we can see who's right. So we have a ride order that we're going to stick to from 8 a.m., which is rope drop, until 10 a.m., and we'll track the wait times, and we'll see what we can get done during those first two hours of the day. Then we're going to repeat the same sequence of rides again, beginning at 10 p.m. and go until 12 a.m. when the parks close, just to see what happens. Now, I'm pretty positive I'm going to win this challenge, but I do find it all very, very interesting because I've heard other guests tell me that they think that the end of the night is just as good as the beginning of the day. So I'll be so interested to find out how it all plays out. It does mean that I have to be up really early and stay late, but I can do it. It'll be worth it. We also have dinner at the newly refurbished Jazz Kitchen in downtown Disney that I'm excited about, and we have a character breakfast scheduled at Storytellers Cafe, so that'll all be fun. I'm excited to tell you all about it. I'll let you know how the challenge goes next week, or you can follow along on my Instagram stories and check it all out. I'll put a link in my show notes to my stories. This week, I will be staying at the Castle Inn and Suites, which is one of my favorite places to stay because the location is amazing. It's about a six to seven minute walk to Disneyland. Castle Inn and Suites is located right on Harbor Boulevard. They are family owned and operated by the sweetest couple who works really hard to make sure that you have a great stay. The outside of the property is castle themed. It's very charming. You're going to love it. 
The rooms are spacious and comfortable and clean, plus they are able to accommodate larger families, which is a bonus for me. So let me tell you about their room types. They have a standard room, which is the most popular room type with all the amenities you would expect or need. And the standard room includes two queen-size beds, Wi-Fi, cable TV, a work desk, a coffee maker, and of course a bathroom. You're going to need that. I will be staying in the executive suite. This one-room suite is spacious and can comfortably accommodate up to six guests. It features two queen beds in the bedroom area and a sofa bed in the living space. They also have family suites. So this appropriately named suite is great for any number of guests, up to six people, offering plenty of space and privacy for everyone. So it has two separate rooms, each with their own TV. The front room features a king-size bed, and the back room offers two queen beds. And this suite also has an extra sink area, which is absolutely amazing. I'm planning on staying here with my family in one of the family suites on our next visit to Disneyland because location can't be beat, and having two rooms for six people is amazing. So definitely check out the Castle Inn and Suites on your next visit. I've got a full review on my website. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And I have a link for you if you would like to check out discounted prices for this property because no one wants to pay full price. I'll put a link to the Getaway Today site and the Castle Inn and Suites in the show notes so you can grab that discount. You can save yourself a little bit of money. You might as well do it. That's what I always say. Don't forget, if you combine a hotel and park tickets with Getaway Today, you'll save the most money. You can also use my code MIX10 to save even more. I'll put a link to Getaway Today in the show notes, or you can give them a call at 1-855-GETAWAY. Just tell them MIX and some magic sent you for the best deals. Today, I want to share two reviews with you today. The first one, it says, must listen before going to Disneyland. It is from, bear with me, these are a lot of numbers and letters, CCL1489DPT1987. It says, I absolutely love this podcast. I started listening because I'm planning a Disney trip and wow, I'm so glad I found Melissa. I've learned so many things that will save us money and help us make the most of our trip. Honestly, though, I will continue to listen even after the trip because Melissa is just so much fun and she feels like a friend now. Highly recommend this podcast. Thank you so much. That makes my heart so happy. I have podcast friends. You're just the best. Thank you. Thank you. The next one is from Jean Wise 22. It says, great show. Melissa is a delight to listen to. I love her enthusiasm and Disney passion. What an informative podcast. Thank you so much, Gene Wise 22 I appreciate both of your reviews. Reviews make a huge difference, and I am incredibly appreciative of your support. Because sometimes podcasting can feel a little bit lonely when I'm just here all by myself. But when I see reviews like this, it really gives me a boost that I need and I appreciate. So thank you to everyone who has submitted a review I know that many of you listen directly from my website or on a platform that doesn't let you submit written reviews, but I appreciate you too. I am so excited to announce that this week my show will hit 100,000 downloads. 
I am beyond excited and just so thankful. This is a huge milestone for podcasters. And honestly, most podcasters don't get to this point. They quit before they reach it. And I'm just so thankful. This show would not be possible without you and your support. So thank you so much. I have a giveaway to celebrate in the works, but I'm trying to figure out how to do it so that everyone who listens can participate. In the past, I've had listeners submit reviews, which is great, but there's a lot of listeners who don't have that option on the platform that they listen on. So I'm working on figuring that out, but a giveaway is in the works so that I can say thank you for your support. I have had some listeners ask how they can support me beyond just writing a review. And I just thought that was so thoughtful of them to think of that. My show is free for everyone to listen to, but it's not free to create. I spend money on equipment and recording software and research materials, not to mention the time that goes in each week to prepping, recording, and editing each episode. And it is a lot of work. It's a lot of time and money I love doing it, but it is a lot of effort on my part. At this point, I don't have a Patreon. I've had some people ask about that, but thank you to those who have suggested it. It's something I'm definitely looking into. But in the meantime, if you would like to monetarily support my show, I do have Venmo and PayPal for those of you who are so inclined. Obviously, a monetary donation is never expected, but it is always very appreciated. So I'll put a link in the show notes to my Venmo and PayPal for those of you who are looking for a different way to support the show. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into our episode about Tom Sawyer Island. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Mix and Some Magic. Once upon a time, there was a wonderful but underrated attraction at Disneyland called Tom Sawyer Island. Tom Sawyer Island is the only early Disneyland attraction to be personally overseen by Walt Disney himself. Now, an island was always going to be included at Disneyland. It was always part of the plan. Originally, it was going to be the Mickey Mouse Club Island. It would be a home base for the Mickey Mouse Club Mouseketeers. Later, the idea was to have it be an American history land for miniatures of American landmarks like Mount Vernon and Independence Hall. And at one point, Walt considered making it a Treasure Island-themed island, but eventually Walt decided that he wanted the island to be a non-structured environment, a place where there were no lines and guests could explore and just enjoy themselves. Now, Walt Disney loved Mark Twain and the stories of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, so he used them as his inspiration for the island. In the book, Tom Sawyer, written in, 18, in the 1870s, there's a fictional island called Jackson's Island. It's about three miles long and a quarter of a mile wide in the middle of the Mississippi River. Now, on the island, Tom, Huck, and their pal Joe Harper escape civilization and kind of just run wild using their imaginations and 
playing pirates. They create forts, they have amazing adventures, and they just have the best time over on Jackson's Island. They reach the island on a log raft and just spend their days playing and exploring, living out every kid's dream. So this island was the inspiration for Tom Sawyer Island. Walt's Island is long and narrow, just like Jackson's Island. The original Tom Sawyer Island stretched 800 feet from top to bottom and was anywhere from 50 to 200 feet wide, depending on where you are on the island. It's about three acres. At first, Walt had Marvin Davis drop some concepts for the island, but Walt didn't like them at all. They just weren't quite right. So Marvin Davis remembers showing the plans for Tom Sawyer Island to Walt and Walt saying, give me that thing, taking the plans and marching out of the room. I can't imagine how Marvin Davis felt in that moment when Walt snatches the plans out of his hands and leaves. Uh, Maybe he thought he was going to get fired. He didn't. Marvin was fine. But later that night, Walt redid the whole design and added everything that he had envisioned for the land. The next morning, Walt laid the new plans on Marvin's desk and said, that's the way it should be. I put in all the things I wanted to do as a kid and couldn't. Diane Disney, Walt's daughter, later said that her father kept adding things until he felt there wasn't any missing parts. So Walt designed Tom Sawyer's Island completely by himself. It's the only attraction that he ever designed himself, which is pretty cool. Walt later said that he wanted the island to be for children and for free. Now remember, all the attractions used to be a pay-to-ride individual system, but that wasn't the case with Tom Sawyer Island. The island opened on June 16, 1956. During the opening ceremony, children dressed as Tom Sawyer and Becky Thatcher poured water from the Mississippi into the rivers of America, and I also read that they sprinkled some dirt from Jackson's Island onto Tom Sawyer Island. But remember how I said that Jackson's Island was a fictional place invented by Mark Twain? So I don't know where they got the dirt from Jackson's Island to sprinkle onto Tom Sawyer Island. Maybe it's just dirt from Mississippi. I don't know. Or maybe it was all just part of the the show. But apparently there was dirt sprinkled onto Tom Sawyer Island. After that, there was a big, huge fish fry with real Mississippi fish. For many, many years, you could actually meet Tom Sawyer on the island. Disney legend Tom Nab actually got his start at Disneyland as Tom Sawyer. And the story goes that when he was a boy, he pestered Walt Disney for the job. And Walt agreed as long as he was able to keep his grades up. And apparently, Walt personally checked Tom's report cards to make sure he was holding up his end of the bargain, which I thought was pretty cool. Let's talk about what was originally on Tom Sawyer's Island when it first opened back in 1956. So there was Fort Wilderness. Originally, Fort Wilderness was open to the public and was in the center of the island. It had a gift shop, a snack bar. You could explore all the levels. It had really cool historical displays, lookout towers with air rifles, and even a secret passageway down to the trails. 
The sailing ship Columbia fires a cannon when it passes the fort. It still does today, but it used to as well. But the fort used to fire back, which is pretty fun. But eventually the pine timbers that the fort was built from began to rot and the fort was closed to the public and moved to the back corner of the island, which is where it can be found now. And now it's just used for storage and is no longer open to the public. Tom and Huck's treehouse was there when it first opened. Originally, this was the highest point on Disneyland. The treehouse used to be the focal point of the island. You could see that very well when you were across the rivers of America over, you know, like by Pirates or Haunted Mansion. You could look across and you could see Tom and Huck's treehouse. The treehouse was also open for guests to explore. So you could go inside it looks amazing. Unfortunately, the treehouse closed in 2013 for safety reasons, but you can still walk around its base and kids can climb on the roots. The trees around the treehouse have grown so much that you really can't see the treehouse from shore anymore. There was also Castle Rock. Originally, Castle Rock was a pile of rocks kids could climb on and explore, and it had entrances into Injun Joe's Cave. In addition to Castle Rock, there was also a little area called Merry-Go-Round Rock, Pirate's Den, Smuggler Cove, Teeter-Totter Rock, Shaky Pontoon and Swaying Rope Bridges, as well as a fake cemetery behind the fort. They also had Injun Joe's Cave. Injun Joe's Cave was an original part of the island. It's based on McDougal's Cave from the Mark Twain book, Tom Sawyer. So, Mark Twain based the cave in his book on McDougal's cave. I'm not sure if that was clear. That's what I was trying to say. So in Tom Sawyer, then the cave is where the thrilling finale of the story takes place in the book. If you haven't read Tom Sawyer, you really should. It's very good. Same with Huckleberry Finn. Well, Mark Twain grew up in Hannibal, Missouri, and he spent his days playing in a nearby cave. And that cave was the inspiration for his story and also the inspiration for the cave on Tom Sawyer Island. The cave is actually now a national landmark and you can still visit if you happen to be around Hannibal, Missouri. I've actually been a couple times and it's pretty fun to go into the cave, especially if you have read Tom Sawyer or visited Tom Sawyer Island at Disneyland. So if you happen to be in Missouri by Hannibal, go and check out the caves. Your kids will love it. It was very fun. Originally at Disneyland, the cave was 120 feet long. The entrance was on the southeast side where kind of with the exit. So the entrance was on the southeast side and the exit was near where the rafts dock today. The cave was really dark and foreboding, as all caves are, with the sound of wind blowing through and an occasional scream. There were lots of cool rock formations, and what people probably remember most is there was a bridge over a bottomless pit, and I didn't get to experience this myself, but I read lots of stories of people who remembered that the very most. Walking over this bridge over a bottomless pit, it made a huge impression on them when they were children, and this cave was a really cool place to explore. There was also a burning settler's cabin. 
So on the far side of the island, there was a burning settler's cabin that was set ablaze by an unfriendly tribe of Native Americans. In the early days of Tom Sawyer Island, there was a corpse out front with an arrow stuck in its chest. So you couldn't access this part of the island, though. Like, you couldn't walk up to the burning cabin, but you could see it from a distance. And you could also see it from the Mark Twain Riverboat or the sailing ship Columbia. But in the 1980s, the corpse was replaced by a moonshiner who had collapsed on the porch and was passed out. And the cabin was still on fire, but it was said to have been started by his recklessness. Then in 2007, the cabin stopped burning. Today, the cabin is refurbished and looks like it belongs to a settler living on the riverbanks. And you'll also find peaceful Native Americans living along the riverbanks as well. So you can see that as you are on the Mark Twain Riverboat or the sailing ship Columbia. There was also a fishing pier. On opening day, there was a fishing dock where guests could pay a fee to fish, just like Tom and Huck did in their stories. There was a small penned-off area that was stocked with live catfish. And guests could use Disneyland poles and hooks and bait and fish for them. Because it was such a small area that the catfish were in, then the fish were easily caught. But there was a problem because... Once guests caught their fish, they weren't sure what to do with their fish. So a lot of them just got tossed into the bushes. Some people stashed their fish in lockers and never came back to pick them up. Um, so that was a problem. And now there is no longer fishing on Tom Sawyer Island. I think it's probably obvious why there's no longer fishing on Tom Sawyer Island. Can you imagine? There's just dead fish laying all about Disneyland. Oh, it's so gross. Now, supposedly, there are still fish living in the river. I'm not 100% sure that this is true. I'm a little skeptical about this. The Rivers of America is part of a large water system called the Green Water System, and it includes water like the Jungle Cruise and Big Thunder Mountain Pond and the Castle Moat and the Frontierland Entrance Pond and the Storybook Land Canal Boats. These bodies of water are all connected with pipes and the water's kind of circulating between all of them. But apparently, there's three types of fish that live in the rivers of America and fish can travel in between the pipes. I don't know. Does that sound right to you? I would love it. I would love, I want to believe it, but I just don't know. So I'm going to try and find out next time I'm there or when I'm there this next time, I'm going to ask around ask some cast members. I'm going to ask the ones that like run the raft over to Tom Sawyer Island. Maybe the cast members that do the canoeing. So I think they'll know. So I'm going to find out if there really are fish. If I had to bet money, I would say no, but we will see. We'll find out. So over the years, the island has gone through two major refurbishments. For 36 years, the island stayed the same as Walt's original vision, but then in the 1990s, a nighttime spectacular was designed for that section of the park to draw guests over into that area. Later in the evening, the river was drained and the island was closed for two years while construction was underway, and then in 1992, Fantasmic opened. I didn't even know Fantasmic had been around for that long. That's pretty amazing. 
So this show kind of changed the layout of the island. Lafitte's tavern building was added as a backdrop to the show. Some of the caves were made smaller to make room for the show, and they needed to make room for areas for the performers of the show. In 1996, the name of the island was changed very, very, very briefly to Tom and Huck to promote Disney's movie. Do you remember that movie, Tom and Huck? I've seen it. It's pretty cute. Then in 2007, the island was refurbished again. The Pirates of the Caribbean movie were a huge success at the time, and Disney decided to breathe some new life into the island by incorporating a pirate's theme. In 2007, the island opened with a new name, Pirate's Lair, on Tom Sawyer Island, and the refurb cost $25 million. Can you imagine? So much money. The island was When the island was rethemed, then Engine Joe's Cave was gone, and it was replaced with Pirate's Lair. Now, when I was researching this episode, I came across some accidents that had happened on Tom Sawyer's Island that I wanted to share. Tom Sawyer's Island has actually been the site of a lot of accidents. According to People vs. Disneyland, David Cohen's 2015 analysis of park lawsuits, inch for inch, more falls have occurred on Tom Sawyer Island than anywhere else in the park. That's why several of the site's features, like Teeter Totter Rock, had been removed, and the caves have actually been made safer, too. Because the caves are dark. So you're stumbling around in the dark. People are going to trip and fall. That's happened a lot, apparently. Several guests have tried unsuccessfully to hide on the island overnight. Two drowned when they attempted to swim back to shore after dark. Isn't that awful? And then the craziest thing is Tom Tom Sawyer Island was also a part of this bizarre event in the 1970s called Yippie Days. I'm going to read to you about Yippie Days. I'm not even making this up, you guys. It's in a book. (laughs) So this book that I'm going to read to you from is The Disneyland Encyclopedia by Chris Stroder. This is what he says about Yippie Days. This happened in August, August 6th of 1970. One of the most infamous days in Disneyland's history occurred on August 6, 1970. The International Yippie Powwow, more commonly referred to as Yippie Day, was intended to be a convention for members of the Youth International Party. Yippies were led by Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin, outspoken activists who staged theatrical pranks and demonstrations to attract attention to their anti-establishment views. In 1969, Hoffman had written in the satirical magazine The Realist that media is free, don't pay for it, don't buy ads, make news. The news the Yippies hoped to make at Disneyland involved a lineup of bizarre activities to be staged by protesters on the 25th anniversary of the atomic bombing of Hiroshima. Hoffman and Rubin didn't show up and the farcical planned events didn't happen, Porky Pig, a Warner Brothers cartoon character, was not barbecued for an afternoon feast as previously planned, but 300 yippies did arrive and began vandalizing, landscaping, buildings, and parked cars. They climbed onto the rigging of the pirate ship restaurant and took temporary control of Tom Sawyer Island. 
They marched while chanting and shouting obscenities. They engaged in shoving matches with security personnel, and they ruined the Disneyland experience for thousands of paying guests. Disneyland officials, who had been forewarned and were expecting the worst, prepared the park with extra security precautions, including the presence of hundreds of local police officers in riot gear. Jack Lindquist, in service to the mouse, details the strong response and the protecting of our own attitude displayed by the United cast members. Disneyland closed about six hours early that day and offered a free return admission to guests. 18 arrests were made, according to the next day's newspapers, though the number was later raised to 23. And as Hoffman and Rubin had hoped, the event drew national media attention. Since then, other unofficial days have been well attended attended and happily celebrated at Disneyland. Popular annual events now include Bat Days, Gay Days, and Dapper Days. Can you believe that? Uh, Tom Sawyer Island was taken over by Yippee Day supporters for a short time. Craziness, right? So crazy. I had to share that story with you. Okay, let's talk about what you can find at Tom Sawyer Island now when you go to visit. There's really eight areas on the island that you're going to want to check out. There's Dead Man's Grotto, Smuggler's Cove, Castle Rock, Shipwreck, Tom Sawyer's Treehouse, Will Turner's Blacksmith Shop, and Pirate's Treasure. Oh, and Lafitte's Tavern. I gotta include that one. Let's talk about Castle Rock. Castle Rock is a large rock stretch structure which features stationary telescopes giving guests views of specific scenery and points of interest back on Frontierland and Critter Country mainland. The area was mostly unchanged during the Pirate Lair re-theme and only features a couple of hidden pirate chests and themed barrels bearing the East India Trading Company stamp. There's also the Pirate Treasure. I think this is my kids' favorite or it used to be when they were little. When we would get to the island when they were little, I would tell them we were on a treasure hunt for the pirate gold. And then I would make sure it took them a while to find it. That we like explored all the other areas of the island before we got to the pirate treasure. That was like the reward. So fun. So the pirate treasure is a large mound of loot at the furthest end of the island accessible to guests. The area is a great photo op. You can pose on the mounds of treasure. You can climb on them. There's treasure chests. And it used to be that Captain Jack Sparrow could be found there posing with guests. He doesn't do that anymore, unfortunately. There's also Tom and Huck's treehouse. Um, we kind of talked about how this had changed and it's not open anymore. Unfortunately, I wish it was. The treehouse is really the same as it has always been, except for the addition that you can't go up into it anymore, which is just too bad. It's still worth looking at, though, and walking around the base of the tree. There's also the Pirate's Den shipwreck. The shipwreck is pretty cool. So inside the shipwreck, it's just, it's very small. It's not huge, but you can hear Davy Jones' ghostly voice whispering warnings to those who dare to come inside. Um, there's some cool LED lighting and you can see some like props and things like that. There's wreckage kind of littered around with barnacles and skeleton, some weaponry, that kind of thing. So I think we're meant to believe that this is a remnant of Davy Jones ship that has been shipwrecked. It's pretty cool. Worth going into. 
There's also Smuggler's Cove. Smuggler's Cove has been around, like I mentioned, but it has been changed quite a bit when they did the refurb and added all the pirate elements. The area now appears to be the wreck of a small ship that was carrying a bunch of pirate treasure. So when you're there, there is the captain's wheel where you can turn the wheel and it hoists treasure out of the water. And then there's, if you turn it enough, you'll see a treasure chest come out of the water and there's a skeleton holding on to his treasure, which is pretty fun. There are bilge pumps, bilge pumps, allow guests to pump some water out of a flooded ship that reveals skeletons and that are guarding treasure down below. There's a bone cage, which is a great photo op. It's kind of like the one in the Pirates of the Caribbean film, Dead Man's Chest. You can go inside it and take pictures. There are There's a suspension bridge, which is pretty fun, that goes right over the bilge pumps and the bone cage. There's also a pontoon bridge, which kind of rocks and splashes a little bit of water. If you're not careful, you might get a tiny bit wet. Usually not. I mean, if you tried, you could get your feet a little wet. But that's a fun little wobbly bridge to go across. Unfortunately, the last couple times I've been there, then the bilge pumps and the captain's wheel weren't working, which is too bad. So hopefully those are fixed now. I'll have to go over and check. There's also La Fatite's Tavern. This is the now backdrop to Fantasmic, but there are some fun things to look at while you're there. If you've listened carefully, you can hear people talking inside the tavern. You can't actually go in, but you can walk around the outside. There's a little place for pirates to stow their weapons. There's a little checkerboard where I guess visitors to the tavern can sit and play checkers. And back in the day, I guess there was actually a small pirate stunt show that took place right in front of the tavern. I think it only lasted a year or so. But now the tavern houses a lot of the show equipment and things that they need for Fantasmic. You can also find W. Turner Blacksmith Shop. We know from the movies that W. Turner must be Will Turner because he was a blacksmith. And it features like props and elements from the Pirates movie. So that's pretty cool. Maybe my very favorite area of the island is Dead Man's Grotto. This cave is amazing. It features a ton of stuff from the movies. So if you've seen the Pirates movies, you're going to love it. Even if you haven't seen the Pirates movies, you're still going to like it. The first major interactive feature inside the caves is the chest of Davy Jones. It lights up. The lighting kind of changes when you touch it, and then you hear Davy Jones' voice issuing some type of warning, and you're able to feel the heartbeat from the chest. Because in the movie, Davy Jones' heart is inside the chest. So that's pretty cool. You can see skeletons from previous explorers. They're all around the cave. There's, there's you know, like warnings written on the cave walls. They also feature some fun little, I guess, jump moments. Most people probably don't jump and get scared. I do every time though. But there's some cursed treasure that when you touch, then one of the pirates from the movie, his head pops up. You know the pirate that is missing, or not missing the eye, the pirate that is best friends with the guy who's missing the eye. I don't even know what their names are, but his head pops up. He's kind of scary looking. It startles me every time. 
Or sometimes his friends, the guy who's missing an eye, his hand will come down and he's holding his eye. It's very fun. Um, there's also an area where you reach in, it says something about don't touch the cursed treasure. And if you reach your hand in to try to grab it, then the treasure disappears, which is pretty fun. There's a cursed pirate that is there talking to you. He kind of gives you warnings about making sure you don't touch or take any of the cursed gold. There's all kinds of little twists and turns, different ways you can go through the cave. It's very fun. Highly recommend it. There is so much to see and do on Tom Sawyer's Island. They do have bathrooms and a water bottle refill station. They actually have two sets of bathrooms. So don't panic if you go over there and need a bathroom. You're going to be fine. There are great views that you really can't find anywhere else. It just gives you a whole new perspective. There's a little walking trail that you can go around most of the island, which is nice. It's shady most of the time, which is also nice. They have picnic tables there, which is a great place for a break. We used to take our lunches over there when we pack lunches into the park. That's a really fun place to go and eat them because it's shady. It's not crowded. And you have these nice little picnic tables with a great view of the rivers of America. And then your kids can run around Tom Sawyer Island for a little while and burn off some energy. Something to note, though, the island usually closes by 5 p.m. because there's no lights on the island, so they have to close it before it gets dark, and it's usually where Phantasmic is taking place, so they have to prep for that as well. The only way to get to the island is from the raft, so you have to take a raft over and you have to take a raft back. Usually you don't have to wait too long for a raft, though. One thing I did want to mention is that this island, I mean, it's three acres, so it's a decent size and kids can get a little lost. I wouldn't feel comfortable like finding a shady bench and sitting there and letting my young kids go wherever they want. That would make me very uncomfortable, actually. So be mindful of where your kids are because they can easily get lost. I would follow them closely. So even if you go into, if you're waiting on the, you know, if you send them into a cave and you're sitting on the outside, chances are they are going to exit the cave somewhere else, not where you are sitting, and then they'll be lost and not know where to go. So I would follow your children along closely so you don't lose them. Now, there used to be years ago, the cast members would hide paintbrushes all over Tom Sawyer Island. I never experienced this, but I've heard about it. And you could go over in the morning and find paintbrushes. And when you gave one back to a cast member, then they would give you some sort of little prize. Because I guess the paintbrushes were a reference to Tom Sawyer in the book. He and Huckleberry Finn are painting, whitewashing this fence. I think maybe that's where the idea for the paintbrushes come along. I'm not sure, but that was a fun thing that's no longer happening. Definitely, though, next time you're visiting, make some time and head over to Tom Sawyer Island, especially if you've never been. It is a really historic part of the park, and it's so much fun. I'm always surprised by how many people tell me they've never made time to go over there. Now, that being said, if you have one day at Disneyland and this is the one day that you're going to be in the parks for your entire life or you're, you know, only go once every five or 10 years, maybe skip Pirate's Lair because there's so many other really great things to do. 
But if you have several days or if you visit Disneyland often, go over and check out Pirate's Lair. So much fun. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I sure enjoyed putting it together for you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for being here. And thank you for loving Disney as much as I do. I will be back next week with something new. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon.